0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to You now this time of opening up Your Word. And Lord, we come hearts open, minds open, expecting to hear from You today, Lord. Lord, come down upon this place. To us today, let us see the glory of Christ and the glory of his resurrection. This morning, I pray. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. For Good Friday service, we, we cruise through, uh, well, basically 20, parts of 26, 27, and uh, all the way through 27. And so today we're going to go through all of 28, but don't worry, it's, uh, we're going to kind of have an overview of it. Matthew chapter 28, as we come this morning to the resurrection of Messiah... On Friday evening service, we left with Jesus crucified, dead, and buried away in a tomb. Now at this point, the disciples, his disciples who had been following him all along, following him for three years' time, who devoted their lives to following him Believing He was the Christ, the Messiah of God, the the One who would, would renew Israel, restore Israel, the One who would defeat those oppressors of God's people. But now, Jesus crucified and buried. The disciples don't know what to do. They are a completely defeated band of men and women. Not sure of what to believe. Their hopes have been seemingly dashed. They're asking themselves, was this truly the Messiah? Was this truly the One who would come and and save God's people? Is this the One? How could it be now that He's dead? How could this be the Messiah? But then on Sunday morning, something spectacular took place. Something absolutely wonderful that changed the course of history. That brought these disciples out of hiding out into the public square proclaiming Jesus Christ our Lord. This was indeed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This Christ who was brought back from the dead, no longer bound by the grave, but brought back from the dead, proving to be the eternal King, God's holy Messiah. And so today, as we look at this passage, I hope we see this. Receiving the reality of the resurrection leads to faithful worship and faithful witness. As we receive the reality of the resurrection, this will lead us to faithful worship and faithful witness let's go to our text this morning before we dig into it. And if you would, stand with me in reverence for the reading of God's Holy Word. Matthew chapter 28 reads, Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. While they, were go- while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. Well, this morning as we consider the resurrection and what took place on that glorious morning when Christ was raised up from the dead. We we must understand that there are many people out there who doubt the resurrection, who do not believe in the resurrection. I mean, after all, if if someone told you that that they just saw someone whom they knew was dead, someone who had been in a casket just days prior, and, and came to you and said, I, "I saw this person down at Walmart today." All right he's been raised from the dead he's down there he's greeting people at walmart well, you would think that person was absolutely crazy because to think that someone is raised from the dead that's just insane that is completely contrary to everything nature tells us people don't get raised from the dead people die and they just stay dead but this is a spectacular event So how do we see this and how do we understand this? Do we believe the story that is told to us or do we have reason to doubt? I want us to think about that a bit this morning. And the first thing I want us to see as we consider this passage today is the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection, all of the evidence points to the reality of the resurrection. In other words, all the evidence that we have points to the resurrection being fact. It's true, right? We are to have faith in Christ, faith in His resurrection, but that faith is not a blind faith. It is a faith based on truth. God's truth. As we begin to look at this passage today, I just want to point out some evidences that point to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all is the testimony of the women. The testimony of the women. Now as the women get up and they they rise, this is Sunday morning, the Sabbath was on Saturday and Sunday morning they, they rise up and they're going to... To tend to the body of jesus now notice that this is just a group of women they're just by themselves and in fact in mark's gospel mark tells us that while they're on the way to the the tomb they begin to have this discussion amongst themselves about who's going to roll the stone away for us we want to go take care of jesus but we can't move that big heavy stone. Who is going to move the stone for us? Which brings to mind, where are the men? Right? Where are the disciples of Jesus? Where is Peter, James, and John? Thomas, Andrew, Nathan. Where are these guys? They have tucked tail and run. They are somewhere, locked in a room somewhere, hiding out of fear. I mean, this was Jesus. They took Jesus. They they arrested him. They they crucified him. What's to say they're not gonna come after his followers next? So all the men have run away and are in hiding. But here comes this band of women who love Jesus, they want to take care of Jesus, and they're by themselves going to the tomb of Jesus to care for his body. All alone. But what takes place once they get there? The earth shakes, and they look to the entrance of the tomb, and, and there at the entrance of the tomb, there's a, a, a person clothed in spectacular clothing. His, his clothing, the, the clothes that he wears, it, it's like lightning. It's so bright and, and wonderful that it's like lightning. They, they can't even describe it. That's the only way they can describe it. It was like lightning. It, it was so beautiful and wonderful. It was like lightning. There's something spectacular about this man who is, or, or this being who is standing there at the tomb. And this is an angel of God. And he came with a message for these ladies. And he says, I know you come looking for Jesus, but look here, gals. He's not here. He's not here. In fact, he has risen just as he said he was going to. You're looking for the dead. You're looking for the living amongst the dead. Jesus is not here. He is risen again. And here are the very first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, why is this so significant, you ask? Why is it significant that women were the first witnesses? And that's who, what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that women were the very first witnesses. They're the ones who, who run and go tell the disciples that Jesus has been raised from the dead. The reason that this is so significant is because in the culture in which these women lived, a woman's testimony was regarded as nothing. It was unreliable. Women were not, even, were not permitted to ever testify in a court of law. They, they, their testimony was viewed as insignificant, as nothing. Now, right or wrong, that's just the way their culture was. <laughs> and so, imagine this. Think about this. If the disciples, because here's the, here's the argument. In fact, this is what the, the the chief priests and the scribes and all them, they kind of brew up this, this idea that Jesus didn't really rise from the grave, but his disciples stole him away. And so this is all just a fraud made up by his disciples. Now think about this. If you are his disciples and you want to start this story going around, and you want to bring this fraud about that Jesus has been raised from the dead, would you make your very first witnesses women whose testimony was regarded as useless in the society in which you lived? Absolutely not. If this was a fraud, if this is just the disciples coming up making this story, to kind of carry on the fraud that Jesus had started while he was here, if that was the case, then they would have started with themselves going to the tomb and witnessing Jesus raised from the dead, or at least some other men, not women. So the fact that Scripture tells us that the very first witnesses were women points to the reality of the resurrection, points to the resurrection being true another evidence here is the testimony of the guards the testimony of the guards you see here that the guards they tuck tail and run now imagine this this is a, a, a band of big old Roman soldiers manly men right they don't back down from a fight. They are ready to go in to any battle. They don't back down. They are ready. But yet, here's this one angel that shows up. One angel. And they're so frightened. This whole band of soldiers is, are so frightened that they lay there and they play dead. They play dead and then once all of this is over with once the angels gone once the women are gone they tuck tail and go back and they go to the chief priests and all the other elders in jerusalem and they tell them what took place and so what happens the chief priests the elders say i tell you what guys here's what you're going to do we're going to give you a significant amount of money to keep your mouth shut and in fact, what you're going to do is you're going to say that in the night his disciples came and stole him away while y'all were taking a nap. Now, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Because if that had truly happened, number one... Roman soldiers, if they neglected to accomplish their mission, uh, that wasn't just a slap on the wrist that they were going to get from their superiors. No, no, no. If they failed in their duty, that was a death sentence for them. That was a death sentence for them. We, we see this proven in, in other parts of Scripture. Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 12, we, we see... The arrest of Peter and and Peter's arrested and put in jail and and Herod is looking to execute Peter and what happens an angel of the Lord comes in the middle of the night and takes the bonds off Peter and steals him away and ushers him out the next morning there's a, a ruckus in the jail because where did Peter go he was locked up tight in here last night but all of a sudden now he is gone and what does Herod do? Herod goes and he grabs all of those soldiers who were there in that prison and he has them executed because they failed in keeping their prisoner. Again, when Paul is in prison in, in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison and, and, while, and that night while they were in prison, a great earthquake came and, and the prison doors were shook open. And when the Philippian jailer looked up and saw the doors of the prison open, he thought, surely all of the prisoners have escaped. And he was about to kill himself by jabbing his sword up his chest out of fear of what would happen to him when, once his superiors found out that he let prisoners get away. But then Paul called out to him and said, whoa, 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 hold on, we're still here. We're still here. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> you see, in this time, if a Roman soldier had failed to, to, to take care of the task that he had been given, if these soldiers had, had fallen asleep at night and allowed men to come in and do exactly what they were sent there to keep them from doing, then those soldiers would have been crucified themselves. But the fact that they weren't killed, the fact that even secular historians tell us that uh, this, they spread this testimony even in their day, tells us something else took place. Maybe it is what Matthew says here. They were paid a lump sum of money to keep their mouths shut. When the governor, when Pilate began to ask, well, what about this? They need to be punished for this. Chief, priest, and the elder said, no, no, we got this. Uh, You just let them go and don't worry about it. The fact that these guards were not executed for failing to carry out their duty, again, points to the reality of the resurrection. And a third Thing A third evidence is the testimony of Scripture. The testimony of Scripture. In fact, Matthew's Gospel here is all written. Matthew writes to the Jewish people. He writes to other Israelites, people who know the Old Testament well. And throughout this Gospel, he says over and over again as he's telling the story of Jesus, so that it might fulfill the Scriptures so that the prophecies might be fulfilled in him. Over and over again, he makes this point that Jesus is the one who fulfills Old Testament prophecy. Just like that that prophecy that I read earlier, Isaiah chapter 53. I mean, who else fits that but Jesus? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That is Jesus. Furthermore, we get in Psalm chapter 16, verse 10. The psalmist prophesies this, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let my holy one, let your Holy One see corruption. The psalmist is telling of Jesus. God won't let His Holy One see corruption. In other words, He wouldn't, wouldn't let His Holy One's body be decomposed. Prophets of old told us that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Psalms 49, 14 through 15. Like sheep, they are all appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for He will receive me. Selah. That selah means, uh, I believe it means, it's a, a, a musical term that's put there. And I think it means to pause. Think about it. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for He will receive me. Isn't that a beautiful statement? What a glorious hope that we have in Christ. Christ was the first to be resurrected. Our souls won't be abandoned to Sheol, that is to the grave, but, but Christ was the first one to be resurrected. He was brought back to life, giving us hope as we trust in Him. That we too might join him in that resurrection one day. Oh, the testimony of Scripture tells us over and over again that Christ would be raised from the dead, and that those who trust God and trust in his Messiah would one day, will one day, be raised from the dead. The overwhelming evidence, and this is just a small portion of the evidence. But the overwhelming evidence points to the reality of the resurrection. We've just kind of scratched the surface here. But the overwhelming evidence, even in history, <laughs> points to the reality of Jesus Christ being raised. From the dead. So we see here the reality of the resurrection. Second, we see the response to the resurrection. We see the response to the resurrection. And, and we see here three different responses to the resurrection. First is the response of complete denial. The response of complete and absolute denial. This is the, the soldiers and the elders. I mean, think about this. Look, look what, what they say there. The, the soldiers, they went. And they assembled with the, the, the chief priests and the elders. And when they had assembled with the elders and took, taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. This is a response of absolute denial. Here are the soldiers, for one, who witnessed the angel of the Lord coming and rolling away the stone. They saw this. And then they go tell the chief priest and the the elders what took place. They relay all of this information to them. And what do they come back with? We don't want to believe that. We don't want to believe that. It's not just uh, the idea of doubt here. They don't want to believe it. They absolutely deny it. Even though the evidence points to the reality of the resurrection, they are so filled with themselves that they refuse to believe it. They refuse to receive it. And this is the, the response of the natural man Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools." and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, this is just the way of the natural man when it comes to God. We see God. We, we see the evidence of God throughout creation. And we don't want to dethrone ourselves, so we want to keep ourselves as lord of our own life we don't want him we don't want his leadership we don't want anything to do with him so the natural response to god is to deny him he's not lord of all he's not god i'm lord i'm king of my destiny not god and that's the same denial that the soldiers and the, the, scri- the elders and the, the chief priests, they, they want to be God of their own lives. The soldiers wanted the money more than they wanted God or Christ. The chief priests wanted their position in Israel more than they wanted God and Christ. And see, if they had accepted Christ... They'd received the resurrection as really taking place, then they would have to have surrendered to Christ as Lord. They didn't want that, so they denied it. There may be some here today, and that's you. You're in absolute denial. You don't want to believe it. Not because there's not enough evidence there to, to show that Christ really did arise from the grave. But you don't want to give up your life to Him. Denial ends in destruction. Denial ends in absolute destruction. So, response number one is denial, response number two is doubt. Response number two is doubt. And we see this taking place even with some of his own disciples. Verse 16, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even while they were there, looking at Jesus, seeing the resurrected Jesus, I mean, the proof was right before their eyes, and yet still they doubted. And this is a natural response for us. I mean, raised from the dead, that doesn't happen. People don't rise from the dead. People don't come back to life. That doesn't happen. And so there's this doubt. And doubt's okay for a little while. Doubt's okay. It's good to struggle with it a bit. It's good to kind of take the information that Scripture gives you and kind of struggle with it a little bit, but you can't stay in doubt. You can't stay in doubt. You got to move to belief. It is hard to believe in the resurrection of Christ. This is beyond the natural realm of things but as we dig into scripture and as we appeal to God he will overcome our doubts reminded of the story in Mark chapter 9 when the man whose son had a uh, was possessed by an evil spirit and he came to Jesus and he said Jesus if you can help my son won't you help him and Jesus looked at him and said if if do you not believe? See, he had doubts. But the man said to Jesus, Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Perhaps you're here today and you have doubts. You're struggling with this. Jesus understands that. But Jesus will help you overcome your doubts. In fact, he says, and In Matthew 7, 7, seek, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. If you have doubts this morning, go to Christ, and he will relieve you of your doubts. Denial, doubt, and third, faith. Faith. They believed God. This is first seen by the women. They believe the testimony of the angel and they run and they go tell the disciples. Other disciples, some doubted, but others believed. They believed God. The wonderful truth of Scripture, when we believe God, is counted to us as righteousness. When we believe God, when we believe in the resurrection of the testimony of Scripture that Christ died on the cross for our sins, That He took on our penalty. He took on our shame. He bore the penalty for us. He died in our place. was buried and raised again. When we trust in that, when we believe in that, Scripture says, for those who believe, it's counted to them as righteousness. This is just like Abraham back in the Old Testament. Abraham, when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, even though you're 100 years old and Sarah's 100, almost 100 years old and, and you're way past the age of bearing children, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a child. You're, Sarah's going to bear a child, and he is going to be your heir. And the Scripture tells us that Abraham believed God. Even though he knew that that was beyond the realm of nature, that wasn't a natural thing to happen, he believed God and his belief, his faith, his trust in God was counted to him as righteousness. His sins were forgiven him. His belief brought him salvation in the court of God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 24 through 26, 25, 24, 25 says, It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Dear friend, if you're here today and you don't trust Jesus, you're bearing your own sin before God. And if you continue to bear your sin before God, one day when the judgment comes, you will be damned to an eternity in hell. But if you believe God, if you believe the testimony of Scripture, if you believe God that Christ died for your sins and was raised again for your justification, then you can be saved. Leave denial and doubt at the door and trust in Jesus today. Three responses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but only one leads to everlasting life, life, and that is belief, faith, trust in God. So, we have the reality of the resurrection, the response to the resurrection, and finally the result of the resurrection. The result of the resurrection, and the result is twofold. Worship and witness. Worship and witness. They came, they met Jesus on the mountain, they saw him, and they fell on their face before him, and they worshipped him. Now for all of those who ever has. died, has doubt that Jesus is not the very Son of God. Indeed, God in the flesh here is proof positive that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. His disciples fall down on on their face before Him and they worship Him and Jesus Christ receives that worship. We see other places in Scripture where uh, people see the splendor of even angels The angels of heaven, and they fall down before them and begin to worship. And the angels say, no, no, you get up from there. You don't worship me. I'm just a a creature like you, a servant like you. You worship God alone. But here Jesus comes, and he goes to the mountain. His disciples fall down on their face before him, and they worship him. And Christ receives the worship. Because he is worthy of worship and praise. This proved that He was the Son of God. They see it and they worship Him. This is what the death of Christ and the resurrection is, is made to do. It was, it's what His purpose is to do. It's to draw people to Christ. Bring them, bring them into the forgiveness of sin. Bring them into the kingdom of God so that they may worship. We can't worship in our sins we can't worship God we can't even come into the presence of God when we are condemned in our sins but Christ brings us into the throne room so that we can worship him and praise his name forever exactly what we were created to do That's what we were created to do. We were created to love God, to worship God and enjoy Him forever. That's what every human being was created to do. Sin destroyed that. But Christ came back into the world. Christ came to the world. He died on the cross. He was raised from the grave so that we can worship. Praise God! We can worship God because of Christ. Do you worship Do you do what you were created to do? Worshiping God day in and day out. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just for Sunday morning that we come and we sing Him and that's worship. No, that's not worship. That's just a small portion of what worship is. We worship every day because He is worthy of worship and praise. And worship leads to witness. Worship then leads to witnesses. The, the, the women first go and they witness. They testify to the disciples. And then the disciples go and they w- become witnesses. Jesus tells them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them and the name of the Father and the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have taught you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We come to worship Christ. Then we got to take out and go witness and tell others about Christ. And you see, witness and worship, worship and witness, they, they go hand in hand, don't they? Worship and witness go hand in hand you talk about that which you love most do you not if you're into sports cars do you not go around and talk about your sports car right if you're into football don't you do to go around and talk about the saints (laughs) or lsu or arkansas Right? We talk about what we enjoy. We talk about what we love. We talk about what we truly worship. We worship God. Then we are going to go out and we're going to talk about God. We worship Christ. The gates of hell can't keep us from telling people about Christ. We talk about what we worship. What are you talking about? what are you talking about what's your response what's your response to the resurrection this morning what's your response to it are you in absolute denial that it ever happened and your end is absolute destruction You have nothing to look forward to except for the wrath of God falling down upon you. Are you in doubt? And this morning, pray to God. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you ask Him, He will guide you to truth. If you truly ask Him, if you truly seek Christ, He will guide you to truth and life. Maybe today you believe, you have faith, and are you worshiping Christ with all of your heart and all of your life, being a faithful witness for Him day in and day out? How are you responding today to the joyous news of our resurrected Messiah? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we praise you today for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that that you don't call us just simply to a blind faith. You, You could have, but you didn't. You gave us evidence. You gave us proof. So that we might trust You and believe. Thank You, Lord God, for Christ. And thank You for the hope of the resurrection that we have in Him. Oh Lord, if there is any here today who are in doubt, or denial. Lord, I pray you would pierce their hearts. Let them today see the glory of Christ and long for the salvation that only he provides. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.